0: A playlist original.
1: Welcome to the Yoga Big Sisters podcast,
2: where you learn and unlearn what you know about yoga. That's Sheena Bakshaw. And that's Zakia Bika. In this podcast, we're going to be helping you get through any of life's challenges with yogic philosophy and answering any of your burning questions about yoga.
1: Let's get ready to dive deep into the episode.
2: Hi Saki. Hi Sheen. How are you? Good. Yeah. <laughs> we have such a good episode today. I'm very excited because it's our second ever guest episode
1: of season two and it's also my first time meeting our guest and I'm like looking at her <laughs>
2: through, <laughs> through um, Zoom right now and well, it's not my first time meeting her because she yes. just took me through a um absolutely amazing um 300-hour teacher training. And that is Caitlin Chick or Mackenzie. Caitlin Chick, right. <laughs> she is the founder of uh, Udaya Yoga Studio. She is also a psychology student and she has a fascination with all things to do with yoga psychology. So Kate, welcome. We're so excited. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Okay. Um. Normally on this show, we start by asking two questions. First one is highlight of the week. So Kate, do you want to tell us yours?
0: My highlight of the week? Um. Definitely the rainy, cozy weather. I'm always here for that. <clears throat> and the fact that I just got through the last batch of my assignments. So I have a wee break before jumping right back into that. That's my highlight.
1: Enjoy. Congrats Kate. <laughs> um, My highlight of the week is that I'm here <laughs> <and> I'm, <laughs> because this week was a shit show so I'm just glad that I'm here with both of you and me doing this that today is the highlight of my
2: week. The reason I asked Kate and Zaki first is I'm still trying to think of mine. My, my brain is kind of like just I wouldn't say brain fog but um, she's not doing the things she needs to do today probably oh okay this is really silly um today when I was leaving the house to go teach a class I look at my cat and I go Loki I love you and she looks me dead in the eye and she does the slow blink and for anyone who's on like the cat side of TikTok like that's how cats say they love you and I was just like oh so that's really dumb but um I think my cat's the highlight of my week most weeks
1: and we we're looking at her now
2: <laughs> holding in a little ball being adorable and then the other Pets thing, are- yeah, week. Pets are always the highlight of the week. Just always. I I don't know if I could ever live without a little furry companion. Mm-hmm.
1: I swear, just looking at Loki now makes me <laughs> Loki <low-key> better. That's <laughs> just so funny and cheesy, but seriously, it's mm. it's that moment of like, we're here and life is precious,
2: and we can smile a little bit, but. Coming back into the podcast, the other thing we like to ask is, do you know your sun, moon, and rising? Yes. Okay. My,
0: yeah. my sun is Aquarius, my rising is Cancer, and my moon is, is Sagittarius.
1: Hmm. I like that. So that's like an air, water, fire combo.
2: What's also yeah. interesting is, okay, I don't know what Cancer would do in a moon sign, but my dad's a Cancer, and I know that they're meant to be like homebodies. And then my mom's a Sag, and that's the adventurer. So it's just very interesting mm-hmm. to have them both in different ways in your chart.
0: Yeah. What did I say? It's Aquarius Sun, yeah. Moon is Sagittarius, and Rising uh, is Cancer.
2: Okay. A- little interesting combo, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Very like you said, a little fire air
1: water combo yeah which i love sorry i said it's like a balance because i have an earth water fire combo and sheen's has
2: a fire fire water water and air Mm -hmm. which is
1: yeah like actually it's like the same as kate just like things are birth a bit
2: yeah 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 Yeah, because i'm sun gemini moon and Scorpio rising and you are Taurus sun <laughs> I want to say Aries moon mm, and Aries- Pisces rising. Rising. Oh, rising Aries rising and Pisces moon and I just love like
1: well before Anyone I meet, I'm always like, what is your like <clears throat> star sign? What is your big three? Because it gives me like an indicator into who you are as a person. And yeah,
2: I just love it. And so does Sheen. So, yeah, it's... mostly I love it because of the memes. Yeah. The, like the memes have made it easy for me to love it and maybe learn about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But
1: on a serious note, mm-hmm. Sheen is going to introduce, um, today's topic and I'm really excited to dive deep into this because I know Sheens has has spoken to me Mm. about how learning about this work from Kate on her YTT like changed her oh it's
2: amazing so
1: I'm so excited to hear from Kate on this and for everyone else as well so it's also my first time listening in and tuning in and I guess Sheens (laughs) second time yeah I got my phone out and (laughs) My notes up, so I'm ready to be a
2: student here. So, today we're talking yoga and mental health. So, yoga and your brain, yoga and psychology, or the psychology of yoga. And doing this course with Kate, I mean, she exceeded my expectations in every way over the 300 hours. But I'm really someone who's interested in psychology, even though it's not something I think I will study. And I think when we know how our brains work, It just helps us so much with the changes we want to make in our lives. So on that front, first thing we want to ask is, Kate, can you tell us how you got into yoga? Because I like hearing people's like yoga stories. I got into yoga kind of by accident. Um, I hated sports
0: when I was in high school, like just could not get into it no matter what I tried. But I still wanted to move and exercise, I suppose and i went to a virgin active the one day and there was a yoga class and i was like hey what the hell is this let me go and give it a try and um it was the first time that i was ever in a space that allowed me to be quiet which instantly drew me in i think anyone that is um introverted or just naturally a quiet person that was such a safe nurturing space and yeah from there i was just kind of hooked Yeah, took me a while, but went into the yoga philosophy and
1: I suppose a a deep fascination sort of grew from there. We're interrupting this
2: episode to tell you about our up-and-coming yoga teacher mentorship for 2024. This is a call to anyone who's done a yoga teacher training and wants to teach but feels scared. Or any yoga teacher frustrated by the lack of momentum in the yoga careers, we know that breaking through is tough because we've done it too. We've also answered a lot of questions and given advice to fellow teachers. So now we're offering you a six-week program to give you the confidence you need, refine your teaching skills, and work on your business strategy. Space is limited and
1: payment plans are available. If you want to claim one of these spots, email ZavasayogaOnline
2: at gmail.com. We're starting 19th of January, 2024. Everything is linked in the show notes and we hope you join.
1: Would you say that your work in the psychology space almost started developing from the root of your practice in a way? Because I know for me, it really helped me understand the way my mind works. I don't know if you had a connection like that early on.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which fascination came first, if it was yoga or psychology, but I remember always being interested uh, in both. But getting into psychology was I think a lot more daunting. It's like quite a, a chunky thing. If you decide to any degree, is it's a big commitment. Um, and I think one thing just sort of led into the other, especially like delving into the philosophy. It made me want to learn more about psychology and learning about psychology also made me want to learn more about the philosophy in yoga, especially when I started seeing those connections. So I
2: think that they both kind of fed each other actually. Okay. Beautiful. And um, I love that you said it took a while to get into the philosophy because I think for a lot of people it does take a while. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of us, like the entry point to yoga is the physical. Is, is <laughs> physical or asana. Um for some people it's meditation which I think is great. But, you know, I, th- I think there's been, the longer I've done yoga, the more I've seen that there's a judgment for people who aren't like instantly into the philosophy and are there for like the activity, like, like the physical activity portion of it, you know, which I remember one of my other teachers saying, like, you can't judge someone for how they come to yoga. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so lovely that you say it took a while. And then- yeah. Also, how did you become a yoga teacher? Yeah, so I started doing
0: yoga when I was about 16. That was when I I fell into it at the gym and um, just sort of self-taught up until late teens. Um, And the one day, I can't remember how I found it or where I was, but I just saw an ad for a yoga teacher training and I was like, that sounds like the best thing. And I had just dropped out of a, a marketing course because I was like, this is not for me. Like started with a marketing degree and I was like, hell no, after about two months. Yeah. And I was like, well, I have to do something. And I love this practice. So it let me like give it a go. And I think it was about a three or five month course. It was so long ago, I was 19. And the intention was never to teach. It was literally just for, for me and my practice. And yeah, that's kind of how I fell into the yoga teacher training, just mostly for myself. And um, teaching yoga from there was also accidental because I was at a yoga studio and they had an open slot and they didn't have a yoga teacher to fill it. And I hadn't even graduated yet. And they were like, please, please take the slot. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do it. It'll be fun. And I never stopped
2: from there. I just it, it never had an end. So, all accidental. To teach a class before I graduated, too. And I was like, I was so scared that I said to my first teacher trainer, I was like, am I loud?" And she was like, yeah. I can't remember if you did your teacher training just for you.
1: Yeah. Because as I was listening to it, I
2: was like, I
1: really <laughs> feel Same. like we have a very similar <laughs> way that we got into yoga and our YTTs. I mean, I also didn't expect to teach. Mm. It was my friend that pushed me to teach. Um, <clears throat> coming into the YT was just for like a deeper understanding of the whole... Yeah body and practice and like look where we kind of yeah because
2: so. mine was also like know more about it so you can practice on your own and when you can't get to a yoga studio it's fine you don't feel like an idiot on your bedroom floor um that was why I did mine
1: and I think like an observation I can see amongst the three of us is that over the years the embodiment of the practice has taken different forms in our lives and has shaped who we are in many ways and has created businesses and a lot of opportunities so I think it's really beautiful how something so small blossoms into something really big and wonderful and then
2: yeah Mm. so for people who are listening who aren't yoga teachers but um love the practice and want to know more about it can you give us like maybe um sort of condensed version like maybe a so we could explain it to like one of our parents like what yoga does for your brain like your brain on yoga yeah. so it, that's such a loaded question because yoga
0: <laughs> is so multifaceted. um I think we almost actually have to break it up into asana pranayama meditation because Perfect. each each part will do something completely different but if we're focusing today mostly on like the mind um then I think we should look more at like what meditation actually does to okay. your brain I honestly don't even know where to start because there's so many <laughs> <nice>. there's so <laughs> many
1: people come in here right and Sheens and I are walking to a, a park right or we're walking to a studio like wherever you're practicing and we put our mats down, or whatever we're practicing on, whether it's on the grass or you in your house, or I don't know, wherever you are, and you're getting ready to begin and set your intention. So when we start to set our intention, right, and for a lot of people that maybe aren't seasoned or practice practicing often, they have to get into it in in a way where they really have to focus you know a lot of people come back to you and say actually like i was so distracted why is that like what is happening when we are starting to connect first like i'm gonna guide us in this way what happens then because a lot of people question. come there to, to feel more questions. focused and clear like fuck i had a shit day or should mm-hmm. we i need the yoga but now my mind is going you know and we always talk about the fluctuations of the mind so I guess that's where we're going to start. So the floor is yours.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, really good question. So one thing I think it's always important to note is that some days you're going to have really good days and other days you're going to have difficult days and that will affect your meditation practice. But if you're new to meditation and you go and you sit down on your mat or in the studio, wherever it is, and um, you start to try and quiet your thoughts, Uh, I think the benefit that we'll see in our mind um, of a consistent meditation practice is that we are better able to control those fluctuations of the mind. So in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, the second sutra, he says, yoga is calming the fluctuations of the mind. So he tells us exactly what it is. That is what yoga is, calming those fluctuations. Um, But the thing is that, When you start a meditation practice you're never going to be able to instantly calm your thoughts it doesn't it doesn't work that way and if it does please share how you manage to do that i think because for most of us we'll sit there with a busy mind and it might take five minutes it might take hours before we're actually able to settle but um yeah a consistent meditation practice will calm those thought fluctuations it's We hear the benefits like, uh, it reduces stress, it calms the nervous system, it improves sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And that comes back to so many other reasons, like why it does that. It's so many different ways that we can take this conversation because it works with our nervous system like and that will calm the entire body the nervous system starts to impact the endocrine system that's thing going to have a different effect um so it does change your brain but only with consistency um so i think it's important to know that as well it so helps
1: yeah and i guess that time frame like you said is different for each person depending on the stage they're at in their life or any other circum surrounding circumstances around yeah. how their brain works, mental health issues, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So it's not a quick fix. And I think that's what we want to tell people. It's, mm. it's not a quick fix.
2: Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Like there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Like meditating once a month isn't going to help. But like five minutes a day. There's ten been minutes- a lot of reasons that has come out that says three to five
0: minute meditation practices are just as effective as long meditation practices I mean we can definitely find three minutes out of our day just to sit and try and quiet our thoughts
1: yeah yeah. I had a question so while I'm sitting and meditating what is actually happening up here what is happening in my brain what what can people expect to be happening
0: that is also another question it's got to do it there's like things with brainwaves that I actually don't have yeah my mind is not on that right now so I can't do like
1: <laughs> sorry I just bombarded Kate <laughs> you know,
0: um, what is happening again it comes down to how busy your mind is
1: so I think one thing for me and I'm I don't know if anyone else can can resonate but when I feel dysregulated or my mind is not kind of connected to my body and things aren't feeling easy for me I do seek out the practice of yoga whether that's asana pranayama or meditation or diving deeper into philosophy whatever like I feel connected to in that space and time but one thing I always come out with is feeling regulated and I'm guessing that regulation comes in the form of my nervous system kind of being like, we're okay, we're fine. Mm. So that's something we we experience after practicing. Absolutely.
2: In terms of the nervous system and how that works with um you were talking about um pranayama earlier, can can you go more into depth on that? Uh so we have our nervous system, we'll see the like benefits
0: from pranayama just physically and how we're feeling. Um, If you even just take a moment to quickly notice how you're breathing or where you're breathing, I think a lot of the times we see that we tend to breathe into our chest, Um, but that just breathing into our chest, it makes like shallow breaths, it's quicker breaths. Uh, We tend to increase then our sympathetic nervous system. So everyone I'm sure at this point from social media has heard about like fight or flight response. Um, And if you think about when you go for a jog or if you're doing something that's quite strenuous. After a while, we tend to take breaths into our mouth and take shorter, quicker breaths so that we can get more oxygen into the body. And that also increases heart rates, et cetera, et cetera. So we start to move into a very activated state. But with pranayama, when we are doing relaxing breaths, especially when we're breathing into the belly or using the diaphragm to actually breathe, this is then telling your body, your nervous system, that you are in a safe space, that you can calm down. It's physically altering your body, it's bringing you into a rested and more digested uh, space. So, in essence, that's what pranayama is doing, or at least softer versions of pranayama, like alternate nostril breathing, deep, deep belly breathing,
2: stuff like that. And then like you mentioned, softer version. So, like, just for anyone listening, like your active pranayama would be like I think of ujjayi breath, heating breath of breath well, straight away, and then yeah. kapalabhati. Kapalabhati, yes. So that yeah. would also be a heating,
0: activating breath. I think it's also we see like a lot of people talk about benefits of pranayama or just like breathing, um, any sort of breathing techniques. But if you have like anxiety, for example, Kapalabhati is probably not going to be very useful to you. Um, The same is true if you are a very calm person, if you're already rested, doing alternate nostril breathing is not going to give you the energy that you might need to tackle a new task. So when we look at breathing techniques, it's also important to look at what we actually need from those
2: techniques, um, not just simply to do them for the sake of doing them. That's so important Uh, because like, Very seldom do people say, you know, we're going to do this breath and it helps with X, Y, Z, but they very seldom say, like, I don't think I've ever listened to, um, an alternate nostril breathing tutorial online where somebody said, Mm. and if you're already chill as fuck, like maybe this isn't the one for you. Don't
1: do it. (laughs) And I think that's so important because when you're practicing with someone or if you watching a YouTube video or listening to an audio and they're telling you what to do, I think we forget that we have agency to actually say, not today. Mm. Because knowing yourself, and like Kate said, I'm feeling a little bit calm. I don't maybe need to do this. Is so important because I think we just think that the teacher or the prescriber or whatever we're kind of learning from in the moment is telling us, this is good for us. And I think it comes with really knowing where you're at, your circumstances, and all the sort of little bits we spoke about in the beginning. And I think that's important. We we say yes, but are we consenting to the right things for our body? And it's the same thing when we're
2: moving through asana. Like Hmm. this pose is not for me today. Yeah, you know.
1: And I think that's something we forget.
2: Yeah, something that fascinated me in the course was you found these like amazing links between yogic philosophy and like Western psychology. And and the way you taught those overlaps to me was just fascinating because I for a long time have seen stuff and th- there's so many examples, but I don't want to go into them right now because I will get sidetracked and go on a rambling tangent. Like there's so many examples of things we see being taught or in the media where If you do study yoga, you go, okay, but that's just repackaged yoga. Hmm. Or where like a new study comes out and they're like, this is amazing news. And you're like, but that's what the yogis have been telling you guys. It's it's so funny
1: because a couple of weeks ago, I was coming into Sheena's house and I looked across the road and I seen this boom. and I asked Sheens, what is it? And What is the name? I I don't know what the name is, but the sign said, um... Like maybe
2: healing, yeah, body movement. And I was like, "Sheen's, what the hell is that?" And I was like, "I don't know what Mrs. Over the Road teaches. She can teach whatever she wants." But um, I remember when the first when the sign first went up, and I googled it. I looked at it and I thought, "Okay, so restorative yoga by another name. Cool." Um, <laughs> but the other thing I noticed is very often in studies, they're like, um, the one that comes to mind isn't actually yogic right now but just how there's so many studies saying things where it's like yes obviously that's good for us and then the things where the study comes out and it's like okay so yeah that's that's what Patanjali's yoga sutra says and um the one example that comes to mind for me right now is you spoke about neural pathways during our teacher training um if you remember what yeah do you want to expand on that Yeah, I remember we were speaking about um, neural pathways and I basically,
0: I said that ancient yogis kind of conceptualized this same thing with um, this idea of samskaras. Um, I think it is still important to note that there are distinct disciplines, Mm -hmm. um, what we see in psychology versus um, yoga philosophy. But there are, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. So essentially, samskaras means a thought impression or like a static stamp that's imprinted imprinted on our mind stuff. Um, so Sanjali speaks about like vrittis, the fluctuations of this mind stuff, basically thoughts. Um, and that can also be sort of as like a force or an urge. So anything that's sort of like an imprinted thought that we have. And according to the yoga system, there are five kinds of these mental activities or these vrittis. So we have true cognition we have false cognition, imagination, sleep and memory. So this is what essentially samskaras are. They are these thought impressions. And when we link this now to Western psychology, we can see similarities in like neural pathways. to explain what our neural pathways are, um, you can think of it like a um like a communication highway. So if you just think about like a map, just imagine any map, a map of Johannesburg or Cape Town, picture that as your mind and all of the roads that connect to every shopping center, every home, every school, those are the connections between your thoughts. And um so these are essentially our neuropathways. We all have this map of our brain that our, each thought is going to lead to another thought. Um, so just like the roads and the highways can help you get from one place to another, the neural pathways are essentially special routes that your brain takes information to travel to another part of your brain. And these pathways, they help you to think, to see, to basically do everything. And the same is sort of true for our SamScar is. So again, there it is slightly different where one is rooted in a lot of philosophy, the other is backed by a lot of science, but they kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just I love that.
2: the map analogy because I think it's like, you know, we've all had to follow Google Maps. Some listeners may be like me and be old enough that they had to tell their mom where to turn right on a paper map. But it's such a mm-hmm. good way to think of like Okay, well, if you keep telling keep telling yourself to turn right and not get out of bed early, then you'll keep running late when you need to get <clears throat> to work and be anxious when you're driving in your car on the highway, because that's what I do, like, at least once a week.
1: But if we're, like, sitting on, at the stop street <clears throat> and being like, okay, mm-hmm. what are the consequences of turning right and left?
2: I can turn left and be on time without being anxious. I yeah. wish it was that easy in the mornings, but...
1: But sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're still sitting at the stop street for a longer time before we decide where to move, and I guess that's part of the journey of reprogramming our minds and why we also come to yoga. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that is the the thing. It's it's coming back to reprogramming your mind, or um, I'll forget the word, but basically, it's reprogramming your mind. But what's happening with these samskaras or um? these imprinted thoughts is that when one of these mental activities stop so like one of the true cognition false cognition imagination sleep or memory when one of those stops it doesn't completely disappear so it leaves like a kind of residual or potential in your mind and then these potentials this residue is essentially the samskara and from that we it continues to influence our thoughts our behaviors so if someone cuts us off when we're driving, we might have this instant reaction of rage or anger or fear. And if we don't process that properly, it might linger. It's going to leave a little residue behind that will influence the rest of our day. Like you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed today and now everything is making you angry. Um, Or that one bad experience that you had five years ago is still making you react badly when similar situations appear. So those are kind of the what the samskaras are. And they don't necessarily have a clear starting point. They can be endless. And it is also conscious and unconscious. So it's really difficult to you know, find them and deal
1: with them. A quick break in this episode to tell you how you can work with Yoga Big Sisters to grow your yoga business.
2: Whether you've just emerged and sprouted as a yoga teacher or you've been teaching and nourishing those skills for a while, we want to help you bloom and thrive. Presenting our yoga
1: teacher mentorship, a 30-hour program to take you to the next level through Asana Labs,
2: philosophy, and specialist workshops, and a session to plan or refine your dream yoga business. Everything is online, so you can join from anywhere, and payment plans are available. Spaces are limited, and if you want to jump on this life-changing opportunity, email SavasaYogaOnline at gmail.com so we can chat. We'd love to be on your team. But yeah, meditation can help with that. Yoga helps with that, yoga philosophy. Yeah, especially, I mean, something Zaki and I say almost every episode is svadhyaya, So self-study or self-inquiry. And I think mm-hmm. for me, that turning inwards, and like you said at the beginning, it was the first time you were allowed to be quiet. You can actually like listen to yourself and go, oh, maybe I don't want to be the person who does that when someone cuts me off in traffic. Um, yeah, I was that person today. Yeah, yeah, but
1: I also think it's so tough to acknowledge that part of you and find stillness mm. for people that maybe aren't as in as others to themselves and to really deep inquiry. Mm. A, lot, a lot of the times it can be scary. And I think that's why sometimes a lot of people prefer the asana versus the meditation because that's when they really Mm. have to deal with deep-rooted things and where those samaskaras or little imprints feed into their mind and they're like oh no I don't want to tap into that the emotional avoidance
2: for example I don't know I'm just coming up with things Mm. that might make sense here no absolutely and I think maybe this is a good time to start discussing um less of sort of how things function and the abstract parts of yoga philosophy and ask do you have any practical tips for somebody who wants to start using any yoga practices for their mental health um yeah I think considering that we are speaking about
0: like mind things today I think um, a really helpful tool to do or to use when it comes to yoga especially with Meditation mindfulness is specifically to be curious. Um, and we can link that back to like, you know, going to those samskaras, it's also like, okay, well, we all have these thought impressions, but what on earth am I supposed to do with them, especially if they're unconscious? And, um, when it comes to being curious, we are bringing ourselves into the present moment. So, we have when we're curious, we're like actively we're there, we're asking questions, we want to know more. Um, There's a study that's called The Wandering Mind is a Unhappy Mind. And Mm -hmm. it's a very short study, um, but they, I think, I can't remember how many people they had in the study, but they called them several times a day to like ask what they were thinking about, were they thinking about things while they were doing other things? And were those thoughts of the past, the future, the present, like what were they actually thinking of? And um, if their thought patterns, if what they were thinking of while doing other things made them happier. And it turned out that anytime they were actually thinking about anything that wasn't their current task, they weren't happy. It didn't matter if they were thinking of pleasant thoughts or unpleasant thoughts didn't matter if it was the future or the past anytime they were outside of their current activity they weren't as happy as they would be if they were present and when we become curious then we stay in that present moment because we're constantly looking for like new things to ask new things to see we aren't thinking about the past or the future it's like oh well I don't know why is pink pink um why is the sky blue like
2: what is your big three like you you stay curious um yeah and that's helpful I think I think I think that's like the best answer there could be to that question and it's so simple it's so simple anybody can do it and also like how many times have we seen those things that are like meditate for this long and do your gratitude journaling and don't drink coffee on an empty stomach and those things are all like useful and and helpful but like being curious and staying curious and open so you're in the present moment instead of projecting or going backwards like that and it's something accessible to everyone and
1: I think that's the beauty but I think when we Package mental health and Mm. just trying to go on this journey. It's a very capitalist view of you have to have a psychologist. Go to do this. Get it, like, you know, subscribe to that app. It's like, you know, it's always something you have to buy. But when, what, what, I mean, what we know from yoga is that it always starts with you inside. And it's almost like you're your own therapist to work through things in a way. Um, and I think that's a very simple, accessible tool for that anyone can access. Mm. And I think that's like what's so beautiful, what Kate shared.
2: Yeah. And also, okay, I'm just thumb sucking this out of distant memory. As Zaki said that, I was like, you know, she's so right. Um, because with capitalism, I did years ago, um, the Yale course, um, the science of happiness or the science of well-being i can't remember the title but it's um laurie de santos is the professor behind it and she's amazing and she quotes the study right where they i will try find it to put it in the show notes. notes resources but basically what is that oh no it's a bird. okay <laughs> sorry um, <laughs> um speaking of being present so basically if people like like we all assume that they're things that will make us happy, like success or having a certain type of partnership in our lives or making a certain amount of money. And just going into the money one, they looked at it and people don't actually need to make that much money to be happy. In fact, there's a point where if you make over a certain amount, and I don't want to misquote it, but like then you're unhappy. So like too little money, obviously life's a struggle. Too much money, the struggle becomes different, but you feel empty and I think that just like mirrors what you said about like the consumptive nature mm-hmm. of like what we think wellness is right now yeah
1: it's like finding that sweet spot of what wellness truly is and I think from what Kate says like it really just truly comes back to point to come back to self and
2: be curious be
1: curious and it's the yaya in it all
2: yeah Kate is there anything also, that you I- want to mention or or share with our audience because um you've answered all of the questions we sent you and then some
0: <laughs> no i don't
2: actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
0: really don't just yoga is cool um yeah that's the best that's,
2: that's <laughs> end an episode ever yoga is cool um nope. yeah. Zaki, do you have anything? Because I think what you just said is <laughs> a great point to leave on. Very often we'll be talking and Zaki will say something and I'm like, well, I can't top that. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. so I think
2: it's time to wrap this up.
1: <laughs> I think that, I think we're good. I think yeah. that this is like a sweet spot. And I think taking from what Kate said is really just be curious. And
2: <clears throat> again, it starts with you. So Kate, thank you so much for your time, for coming and- <laughs> um answering our questions um anytime it has been so so lovely um if you guys are interested in knowing more about kate you can look at um her instagram that is yoga kate c a i t and then mm-hmm. Udaya. Yoga.
1: And everything will be tagged in the show notes yeah. so you can get so to if know I said Kate. something wrong, we correct it later. Yes. <laughs> and you can get to know Kate there, dive a bit deeper. And if there's any inquiries that you want to go further into with her, please reach out to her. She offers amazing courses if you want to dive deeper.
2: Oh, and also if you want to get into meditation, there's a 6 30 AM South African time. I don't know, is that Central African time? Um meditation every Thursday morning on zoom. It's so great. I love it's it. When free. Can cancel. Yeah. It's, it's for free. And also like, I love it when my Thursday morning people cancel. Cause I can join <laughs> in. and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to try.
1: I'm going I'm to so join in on that. And I think You know, after listening to this episode, if you've never meditated before and after listening to Kate and our conversation about what it's about and what happens in the brain, I think this is a great resource that Mm -hmm. Kate is offering to the community. So take it and be curious. So I think that's going to be it from us today. And yeah,
2: Kate, thank you so much for coming forward and being with us. It's Thank been you great. So, so much. Um, we love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.